we just want to welcome you into the house of the Lord, into the presence of God Almighty, as we fellowship with one another and praise God together. We're so glad that you can be with us this morning. Uh, good to see all of you. If you are here for the first time, uh, we just want to welcome you and uh, we just want to uh, say thank you for coming and just may you uh, uh, be blessed and may you experience the goodness of God in this place and experience the Spirit of God ministering to you uh, as we uh, continue in our, our time together and as you connect with people and just uh, experience God's love and care uh, for you. God loves you and uh, he loves you so much and I'm sure he's filled with joy to see you worshiping here this morning. I know last week we had an intermission uh, from our series and what a powerful word uh, Pastor Greg brought to us from Psalm 121, uh, we, we spoke about God watching over us. You know, God watches over us all the time. And I thought it was fitting that he said that because it kind of ties into one of the points in, in what I'm going to speak today uh, to you, God watching over us. And I know that some of you can't wait to get back to our series uh, of focus. And uh, we, we are in the seven-part series of focus, and, and today we are in the fifth part. So we're drawing closer to the end of our series. And just to refresh us um, on what the series is about, focus, uh, we know that, and I'm not giving you an, a test like Pastor Joel gave you a test a few weeks ago, um, but just to refresh our memories, focus means to follow one course until successful. Follow one course until successful and and uh, and that's what we have been doing by looking at the book of John and understanding uh, the purpose for which John wrote his gospel and uh, the reason why he was bringing people uh, to focus their attention on Jesus and we see that uh, John mentions specific signs we know it as miracles but we John calls it signs specific signs that he mentions in his gospel, in order to bring focus on who Jesus really was. And the key verse that we've seen in, in, in the book of John is John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. And this is what he writes. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I think John makes it very clear there, the reason for him writing his book and for including those seven particular signs because Jesus did many, many signs and, and wonders and miracles all throughout his ministry. But he says that these are written that you may believe. So we see that there are two reasons why John wrote from the scripture, we pick up two reasons why he wrote his gospel. Firstly, he was to prove who Jesus said he was. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the anointed one who was to bring deliverance and salvation to humanity. He was also the son of God who is greater than the natural realm. He is greater than anything that people thought that he was. And secondly, we see John writes here 
because he wanted to offer something to all who would believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And that was eternal life, only through Jesus. That by believing you may have life. You see, John was not writing his gospel to tell people uh, how to be wealthy and how to become rich and how to live a, a, a good and, and, and earth, a life on, on the earth. Basically, he was telling them that he was writing to them to prove to them that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. He was the son of God and that if you accept Jesus as who he said he was, then you will have something far greater than what this earth can offer and that was eternal life. That is why his focus was on making the reader understand that there is a Messiah, there is a God that transcends all that our natural mind can understand and that God was Jesus, the incarnate God in flesh. So today we are going to look at the fifth sign that John recorded. And it is very unique if you read this fifth sign because it's one of the shortest signs that are written in this gospel. And, and, and it's interesting the way he placed the sign because the, the, the position of the sign in his writing was just after the feeding of the 5,000 and the story or the teaching that he gave to the people thereafter where he spoke to them about being the bread that came down from heaven. Now we cannot help but wonder why John put this particular sign. It's the shortest recorded sign in his gospel. And even though it's the shortest sign in the gospel, but we see it is packed with a lot of information and a lot of lessons that we can learn from this gospel or from this sign. And as we will see, that is what John was trying to convey, that we are sometimes restricted with our view of God. We are restricted on what he can do. We are restricted and limited by what we see and what we think and we feel and the emotions that we experience restricts us from seeing who God really is because we want to experience God on an, on an experiential level, an emotional level. But God wants us to experience him beyond that. And if we look at the sign, we look at, we have the advantage of, of drawing information from the other Gospels. And we see the details of the sign and this event that happened will help us to galvanize our faith in Jesus. So let's look at the sign, the fifth sign. Sounds like a, a movie, the fifth sign. It's got nothing to do with the fifth element. It's the fifth sign that John speaks about here. John chapter 6, verse 16 to 21 says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Now it was dark, importantly, to note that. It was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong wind that was blowing. When they had rowed about three to four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, 
It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now for us to understand why John recorded this particular sign and he put it in this particular place, we need to look at the context of this chapter. And uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Joel spoke about the fourth sign, which was Jesus feeding the 5,000. In fact, it was more than 5,000. If you count the women and children, there could be in excess of 20,000 people that Jesus fed with five loaves and two fish. And to the people, we, we know from, from our previous message, if you haven't got that, go onto our website and, and, and download the podcast and you can listen to that, that the people saw Jesus as their liberation hero. He, they saw Jesus as a king that will not only liberate them from the, from the clutches of the Roman rule that they were under, but they saw Jesus as a king who would take care of all their needs. Here was a king that will provide for them. Here was a king that will give them food whenever they need. He could just multiply food. So they probably thought, well, you know, this is a good life to have. So this is a good king to have who will take care of our needs. They were so caught up with what Jesus could potentially do for them in the natural that they were missing the point of who he really was. Now, we can be tempted to come down hard on these people. Couldn't they understand? Didn't they see what Jesus was doing? You know, it's, it's easy for us to criticize people when they behave that way. But sometimes we feel the same way. We have people that say, give me a Jesus who will provide everything for me and I will follow him. Give me a Jesus who will heal me, then I will follow him. Give me a Jesus that will be the answer to all my financial problems and I will follow him. It's not though that Jesus cannot do that because he is God, he is the all-sufficient, he is the all-powerful, he is the sovereign, he is the present God. He can do whatever he needs to do, but that's not the point. The point here is that we are focusing on the wrong things just as these people were focusing on the wrong things. And therefore, when we do not get what we want, we get frustrated with our walk with Jesus. We get frustrated with God and we want to give up. When all this time he wants us to work on our relationship with him. Matthew brings that very clear in Matthew chapter 6 verses 33. He says it well, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get our focus right, seek God first, seek his kingdom first, seek his righteousness first. Then whatever we need and whatever God needs to take care of, he will take care of in our lives. Our first priority is seeking God, not for what we can get out of him, but what he can offer to us. You see, the people in the story had forgotten what he was teaching them and, and had misdirected their focus on what he could do for them rather than his teaching on the kingdom of God and who he was. And we have misdirected focus when we focus on ourselves rather than on God. We have misdirected focus when we look into ourselves and think about ourselves all the time rather than placing our life in God. Without God, our walk with God is lonely. 
and it is an uncertain path. You see, the disciples also, amongst those thousands of people, they must have also realized that Jesus was the liberation hero. He was the hero that was going to give them, you know, uh, deliverance from the Roman rule. And therefore, we read in other accounts, in the other Gospels, there were people that were saying, well, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when your kingdom is established, you know, I want to sit on your right and I want to sit on your left. Even to the point where uh, Jesus was facing the cross, we had his disciples say, is this the time now we are going to take control of the kingdom? Because they had misdirected focus. They were focusing on what they could get rather than who God was. And that is why I believe that, that John was very specific in placing this sign here, this fifth sign, because Jesus gave to not only to the crowds but to his disciples a very strong lesson we, 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 we heard a few weeks ago on who he was. He was not the physical bread that could give them the, all that they needed, but he was the bread that came down from heaven. They had focused on the wrong things. And for his disciples... Jesus had to show them that he was far superior to their natural desires and wants. I mean, if we read the story, Jesus could have easily gone with his disciples on the boat to the other side. But he put them in the boat, sent them off, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And I think he chose not to go because he wanted to show his disciples who he was. He used this, this moment as an opportunity to demonstrate his superiority and lordship. And sometimes God does that to us. He allows us to go our way because he wants to demonstrate to us, he wants to show us his superiority and his lordship in our lives. And we see this in John chapter 6, verse 16 to 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. From reading this account and just looking at the other Gospels, we see that Jesus, after feeding the 5,000 or so people, he dispersed the crowd and he sent his disciples to go ahead uh, of him to Capernaum. Jesus went up to the mountaintop to pray, and in the meantime, his disciples set out on the sea, and during their journey, the sea became very rough because of a wind that would blow into the sea uh, at that particular uh, location. And during that time, we see that the Bible speaks about them being in, in, this, in this spot for several hours trying to row against the wind and the waves, and they were about midway in, this, in the sea, and it, it was about four, five to six kilometers offshore. They had made their way about five to six kilometers offshore. And, and I, want to, I want to draw out some important lessons that we can learn from, from this particular incident. They were struggling to get going because of the huge waves and the strong wind. They were overwhelmed by the darkness around them. It was dark. The wind, the waves, even though some of these men in the boat were seasoned fishermen, they had been in the sea, they, had, they know the territory, but still they were struggling to make headway. 
Now, I don't know, you know, how it feels to be in a storm in the middle of a sea in a small boat. It's difficult for me to, to understand that because I've never been in that situation. But I've been in a storm. You know, you've, you've experienced storms before. You've experienced heavy thunder and heavy lightning and, and heavy rain and heavy wind uh, blowing. And you can hear maybe, you know, where you are, the, the rattles and the shaking of the trees and the, and the house windows and all these things. Are, 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 it's, it's a scary time to, a scary place to be. And, and, and for us, the most safest place to be in that is indoors because you feel safe. You feel I'm protected. So I can't imagine these disciples being in the middle of the sea. It was dark. It was rough. The wind was blowing. The waves were high. They were struggling. They had probably exhausted themselves. And they were in this little boat trying to make headway. So it must have been a very, very um, distraught, frightening experience. But what we see in this incident is that God's ability to see us in our darkest moments is a demonstration of his sufficiency even in our insufficiencies. God's ability to see us in our darkest moments is a demonstration of his sufficiency even in our insufficiencies. Why do I say this? When we look at John's writing, when we look at the Gospel of Mark, we see that the disciples, as I mentioned, were midway in the ocean. They were about five to six kilometers in the ocean. It was dark. It was windy. The waves were huge. Jesus was on the mountaintop praying. So he must have been, maybe from them, about seven kilometers away. I don't know about you, but something struck me here. Here was Jesus, about seven kilometers away, on a mountaintop somewhere praying, and the Bible says, if you read the Gospels, that Jesus saw them struggling. Now, in the natural, that's not possible. You cannot be seven kilometers away from someone on a mountain somewhere, darkness all around you, the wind blowing, the waves were huge, and you can see something seven kilometers away. The Bible says in, 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 the, in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus saw them struggling to make headway towards the other side. Think about this for a moment. The supernatural power of God. You may be in a dark place right now. It may be because of sin. Maybe you are living a life where sin has overtaken you and you cannot, you, you cannot handle it and you find yourself in a dark place. Or maybe it's because of circumstances in your life that you find yourself in a dark place, surrounded by darkness. You don't know what's happening around you. You may feel the waves of life overwhelming you and you just want to give up. Being tossed by the winds because you cannot take control of your life. You cannot take control of the place where you are in your life, whether it's, it's in your family or in your relationship or in your finances uh, or whatever it is that you may be struggling with personally, with your life, with your health, with your emotions, being tossed by the circumstances of life. I want to remind you as we read the scripture and as we see the power of God over 
the situation that God sees you through your darkness. Through the darkness that surrounds you, God sees you. Through the winds that are blowing around you, God sees you. Through the waves that are, that are overwhelming you, God sees you. God's power pushes through the darkness even when you cannot see it or feel it. Like God's response to Moses. Moses, when he went before God and God told him to deliver the people out of Egypt, he told Moses, he says, I have heard their cries. I have seen their tears. And now I'm going to do something about it. You see, God sees us even though we don't realize it. The next thing we see in the account of John is the power of God over the natural elements. In John chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, the scripture says, When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. You see, God not only sees us in our struggles, but he also comes to us. When the disciples, when, when, when Jesus saw the disciples struggling to make headway in the journey, he left the mountaintop. He saw them, he left the mountaintop, and he came to the place where they were. Remember, John was writing to persuade his readers that Jesus was not only the Messiah, but he was also the Son of God, being he was God himself. When Jesus came to the water, walking to them on the water, their fear, they became afraid. Their fear misdirected their focus, but Jesus had to redirect their focus to reassure them that it was him. You see, fear will limit our ability to see God for who he is. For the disciples and from the other gospels, we read that when they saw this, this, this apparition coming towards them, they were frightened because they thought it was a ghost. We thought, no, we only believe in ghosts now. They believed in ghosts then. Somehow or the other, they had heard stories. Somehow or the other, they grew up with this, this, this concept of ghosts being around. And when they saw this, because it was an unnatural thing, it was not something a nat natural person would do, because if you ever tried walking on water, if you succeed, please let me know. It was unnatural. And the first thing that fear brought them to was something that they were familiar with. It may have been a ghost. It, it cannot be anything else. And that's what fear does. It brings us to a place of familiarity. And we get comfortable with familiarity because that's a safe place. That's a logical place to be. And fear will try to, to, uh, to make us logically figure out what is happening when God is doing something supernatural. I cannot help but connect this as the disciples saw this and, 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 and Jesus reassured them because there's not another recording in scripture where someone walked on water. In fact, the closest I can think of is found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, where the Bible says, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and these disciples were in a place of darkness, 
And Genesis 1 says the darkness was upon the face of the earth and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Wow. And here these disciples in the midst of their darkness see Jesus walking over the waters. And it's no wonder according to Matthew, the disciples exclaimed, truly you are the son of God. Truly you are the son of God because Jesus identified with the spirit in Genesis chapter 1 verses 1. When we are afraid, we lose sight of the ability of God to work supernaturally in our lives. But in our lives, God sometimes comes in ways that we do not expect. And when we are not expecting it the way we want it, in a particular way, then it's easy to reject it. Because it's not something that we are familiar with. Not only does God see us, and not only does God come towards us, but God steps into our lives when we let him. John chapter 6, verse 20 to 21 says this, But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. See, when Jesus steps into all of our lives or all of our life, we open ourselves for his power to work in us. When Jesus steps in all of our, not, not only certain parts of our lives that we choose, no, Lord, you just, you just handle this part of our life, my life, and I will take care of this part of my life. But when, G, when we allow Jesus to step in all of our life, then we open ourselves for his power to work in us. We see in the story, not only does Jesus identify himself, but he also calms their fear. In fact, when we read this, this particular statement that Jesus made, it is I, do not be afraid, many commentators believe that the actual translation of what Jesus said is a reference to his deity. Because it is the same reference that God used when he spoke to Moses. When Moses said, whom shall I say sent me? God says, tell them, I am sent you. And what Jesus was saying here is the, is the same translation that God revealed himself to Moses. Jesus is saying, I am, do not be afraid. Demonstrating his deity and his power overall. I am who I will be. I am the God who can do the impossible. It is no wonder when we read the other accounts of the uh, other gospel accounts of the same sign we see that they were filled with awe at Jesus and worshipped him. You see, what happens next is another miracle. You know, there's three miracles that happens in this one incident. Firstly, Jesus saw them even though it was impossible in the natural to see them. Secondly, Jesus comes to them walking on water. And the third thing we see is another miracle that we may miss. When Jesus stepped into the boat, they allowed him to, they were glad, they realized it was Jesus. They said they were glad 
and received him into the boat. The moment Jesus stepped into the boat, what does the Bible say? Immediately, where were they? In the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the sea. And when Jesus stepped in, immediately, the Bible says, immediately the boat was already on the other side. <laughs> you know, Hollywood has nothing, doesn't come close to teleportation. Jesus is the real thing. He is the real thing. When, they, when he stepped in, they found themselves already where they were going. You see, in the midst of our struggle, we must allow the I am to step into our space. We must allow Jesus to step into our space and take control. Many times we want to take control. But in our struggles, in our darkness, when God reveals him who he is in ways that we cannot think and understand, and we allow him to step in, the miraculous happens. The supernatural happens. Are we allowing Jesus to invade our lives to the point where he is in charge? Even in our darkness and pain, God works supernaturally in our lives even when we don't know it. And God may have been working or we're still working supernaturally in our lives and sometimes we don't even know it. They allowed their fears to be calmed and accepted Jesus into the boat. See, God sees you and he comes towards you. He steps into your space and when he steps into your space, miracles happen. And it may not be, you know, this, this, this miracle that we, we, we glorify in lights, but it can be a miracle in your life. It may not be the, the greatness of, of someone raising from the dead, but it can be a miracle in your life. Because whatever is impossible for you to do, and it gets done when you put your faith in God, it's a miracle. Even the smallest thing that you can think of, God working in your life. Even though God sees us, or watches over us as we heard last week. It does not mean that we will not face hardship. It does not mean that we will not face pain. It does not mean that we will not face struggles. But we know and can be rest assured that God at the right time will step in. You see, Jesus, he allowed his disciples to face that. Because at the right time, he stepped in. He stepped in for one purpose only. To solidify their belief and their faith in who he was. And that's what God wants of us today. To solidify our faith and our belief in who he is. It's so easy it's so easy. Would you bow your heads with me? It's so easy.
to be just caught up with the things that we are facing in our life. And right now, people are facing many things. And it's so easy just to be caught up in that, that we lose sight of who God is. That we lose sight of the God who is the Lord over the, the natural. He is the God of the supernatural. You see, God controls the natural. The natural does not control God. And, and a miracle goes against the natural, goes against the obvious, goes against the logical. The supernatural trumps the natural. The supernatural is over the natural. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Is he Jesus? Who you want to take care of all your stuff but not interfere with certain things in your life? Is he a Jesus that you're looking for to provide your needs? Is he a Jesus that you want who will take care of whatever you want taken care of? Or is he Jesus, the Son of God? in whom your faith lies. The firm foundation we spoke, we sang on earlier. The firm foundation. Jesus is our firm foundation. And I want to just pray for us together this morning. No matter what storms are in your life, no matter what struggles you, you have in your life, Fix your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Lord, through that name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Lord, our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, we believe that no matter what we face in life, no matter the circumstance, Lord, whoever is here in this place, Lord, that are going through struggles or are, are dealing with issues in their lives, Lord, you are able to see through. You are able to penetrate through the darkness and see what's happening in their lives. And not only that, oh God, you assure us that you come towards us. And if we let you, oh God, you can step into our lives. You can step into our boat. You can step into our situation. Calm our fears and do a supernatural work in our lives. Let that become a reality over your people this morning. In Jesus' name.